This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey, Mississippi Today. March is National Women's History Month, and all month long, we've been featuring amazing Mississippi women. So today, we're continuing our coverage with Melissa Wade, Director of External Relations with the Mississippi Veterans Affairs and retired colonel with the Mississippi Army National Guard, Becky Jenner. They're here to talk with us about the 2021 Military Women's Summit, so let's welcome our guest to the show right away. Welcome to both of you. Before we begin talking about the Women's Summit, though, uh, tell us a little bit about yourselves and how you arrived to where you are today and your role with the Mississippi Veterans Affairs. And Melissa, I guess you're probably a good person to start with. Yes, sir. Good morning, Marshall. Thank you so much for having us. Um, oh, my I pleasure. Currently the, oh, yes. Um, I started with Mississippi Veteran Affairs uh, just short of two years ago. Um, I came in as the executive assistant to executive director Stacy Pickering, um, and last summer I was promoted to the director of external relations. Um, and in that role, I oversee a few different things. Um, I am over all of the event planning for our agency, uh, which consists of probably no short than 15 events throughout the year. Um, and I also, this session became the legislative liaison where I have been working at the Capitol to help move our legislation through. Um, we had about eight bills that we presented, and four have already passed and have gone to the governor for signature. Um, oh, so I'm very proud of that. Yes. Yeah. So it's been um, a, an interesting session to learn through, um, but a good one. It's, it's definitely given me a lot of face time with um, our different legislators and, and learning that process. So it's been, it's been an extraordinary experience. Well, Melissa, I know we went up, I guess, gosh, it seems like a million and a half years ago, but I guess uh, December of 2019, we went up to the Oxford Veterans Home and did interviewed several of the veterans up there and created a show for conversations with that. And that was just such a wonderful day and a wonderful experience. So I just wanted to say thank you. I don't know if I've said thank you enough since then on that. Um, you, you, you talked about heads of events planning. I, I have to admit, as being somebody who also does events himself, uh, Neil, to say your year has been very interesting, having to pivot and recalibrate. I would imagine with COVID, it has most definitely been that. Um, as you know, I'm sure the same with you. All of our events were stalled. Um, all the planning that we had done, just like this women's summit, um, it should have happened this time last year. And right before, I mean. Uh, Commander Blackwell held it till like four days before the event should have taken place before she had to call it because of COVID. Um, but, you know, I mean, it just halted every plan that we had going into 2020. So it, it was definitely um, a year of pivoting is a good way to put that. <laughs> yeah, that's a nice way of putting it anyway, right? Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> definitely. But, but the good news is, of course, like you said, I think we're coming out of uh, everything that we've been faced with in the last year. And so it's nice to see a little bit of normalcy returning. Colonel, uh, Colonel Becky Jenner is with us as well, the Mississippi Army National Guard. Beck, uh, Colonel, tell us a little bit about yourself and congratulations on making it to retirement. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Um, <laughs> I, I retired from the National Guard in 2005 after 28 years of service. And the last 
year and a half that I was in, I was on active duty at Camp Shelby as the director of personnel. Oh, wow. And I remember that Camp Shelby was established as a mobilization station to activate guard and reserve forces for Iraq, Afghanistan, Kuwait war. So I had just gotten my dream job at Mississippi Power. I had been in capital uh, development fundraising for a couple of jobs, United Way and the community college, and then Mississippi Power called and asked me to manage their foundation to give away money. So for a fundraiser to be asked to give away money, somebody else's money, I mean, who could ask for anything more? So I had just gotten that job, and then I went to a guard drill weekend, and they said, looks like we're going to be mobilized. So a year and a oh, half wow. later, I back to my job. So I had lots of other jobs before that, but I joined the guard in 1977 as a WAC, which was the Women's Army Corps. They dissolved the WAC in 78 and um, integrated the sexes. Prior to that, a woman was either a WAC or a medical service corps person. Didn't have a choice about what job she wanted to do. She was just assigned. So um, I'm old, I'm on uh, Medicare, but I'm, I'm still active. Well, I don't, you know, of course, old is a relative term, of course, but it sounds like you've just had a fascinating career. When you when you joined the Army, did you join as an enlisted person or did you go in as an officer and climb your way up to the ranks, through the ranks? I, I was fortunate. Um, I was tutoring to make ends meet, and the father of one of the kids I tutored was actually from Laurel, my hometown, and he started talking about going to Germany, and long story short, it was his guard unit that was going. He said, I think you could get a commission based on your college activities, and I got a direct commission as a second lieutenant in the 114th support group in Hattiesburg. I was the first woman and I was an officer and they didn't know what to do with me and I didn't know what to do. So it was, um, let's just say it was a long learning curve. I was about to say, I mean, you talked about because I remember that transition when the transition from, you know, when they integrated the arm, all the armed forces. And it's still even to this day, there's always, you know, a story will pop up or some tension and so forth. What was that like, though, back around uh, the, the end of the 70s, early 80s? Uh, what kind of reception did you get when you joined? Um, let me just say that my, my very first drill, I was not welcomed. I was told that. The Army, Mississippi Army Guard, let lots of other people in their ranks before they allowed women. Wow. And I remember going to my daddy. My, I was spent the night with my daddy in law, and he, he was a World War II veteran, veterinarian, Guadalcanal. And he said, well, <laughs> yeah. did you block their heels? And I said, Daddy, I don't know what to do. <laughs> well, you better learn. So, um it, it it was not easy, um, but, you know, um, it made me suffer and know what I could do. And eventually um, I was accepted. I was the first female company commander of a 
of a company in, in Mississippi, and it was a truck company. So I guess I proved my mettle, and they decided that I could play with them. You, you said your dad was on Guadalcanal. Was he in the Army or was he in the Marines? He was in the Army. He okay. was a veterinarian, and yeah. he was in charge of a mule pack. Really? And uh, all of the food inspection, as well as, you know, taking care of people and the animals. Yeah, yeah well, so you, you didn't have any choice but to be tough if your dad was a veteran of Guadalcanal, because if anybody knows anything about Guadalcanal, that was a really tough tough slog that they were on. Let me, you also said you, you were a professor. You did some teaching, too. So you taught at USM and Ole Miss as well. So you've, you, you've had a pretty interesting career. Well, my daddy used to say, you just can't keep a job, can you? But, but I was <laughs> fortunate in that each thing led to the next. Yeah. Um, and when I took the job at the community college, the president wanted me to run their foundation, and I said, Dr. Lott, I don't know anything about running foundations. And I got up to leave, and he said, well, sit back down. And then I said, well, I can think of some people who might be good. And he said, I can teach you to run a foundation. I can't wow. teach character. So I've been blessed, and I'm truly grateful for the opportunities that I've had. That's, impre- that's incredible. There is, I love that attitude, though. I like to say, well, yeah, I can teach you how to do that. We just need somebody with some character. Melissa, as heads of playing, we, we touched on this a little bit a minute ago. The pandemic obviously threw everything in just in complete chaos talk about that you know how did you because i think people that reacted to it struggled but people that responded to it and figured out new ways of being able to get out to people talk about some of the changes that you had to make and, and what were some of the things that you feel like were successes right so obviously um canceling our women's summit last year was heartbreaking uh we we had 200 participants signed up from 11 different states, um, we were ready to go, and then it was just shut down. So I think that happening really gave us the forefront to think, okay, how do we handle our events for the rest of the year? Because they're all important, and we still need to get our message out. So like a lot of other organizations, we went virtual. Um, we filmed a virtual Memorial Day uh, where we laid wreaths all around the state with some of our key uh, political heads. We went virtual for our suicide training uh, for clergy members that we hold in September um, to get that message out on how these men and women that, that minister to our veteran population can help them during a time of crisis. Um, you know, we, we learned the virtual world really, really quickly and took full advantage of that through social media and YouTube channels and however we could push that message out. But we knew the message still needed to be shared. Um, so it, it, we have all learned very new skills um, and have brought on people to help us expand on those. I saw today where the numbers have dropped again on, of course, it's over the weekend, but still good news. I mean, the number, the COVID uh, case numbers have dropped. I mean, more and more people are getting vaccinated. Do you know the percentage of veterans that have been vaccinated? So I do not have a total number for you, but I can give you some statistics that I do know. Um, we have cool. reached out to our counterparts with the GV Sunny Montgomery VA Hospital there in Jackson. 
Um, and they shared with us of their 38,000 uh, enrolled veterans that 27% of those have received the vaccination. Um, and I can also talk with our success story in our veterans' homes. Um, as you yeah. know, we have four around the state. Um, we started vaccinations back in January, toward the end of January, in our homes. Um, we have had almost 90% of our residents receive that vaccination, and we are um, on the top end of probably 65% of our staff receiving it as well. And those numbers compared statewide or nationally are higher than the average. So we have been very, very successful in um, our team really pushing the benefits of getting this vaccine um, to keep our veterans safe. Definitely. That's, that's great news as well. All right, um, Becky, real quick, I just in the last just second here, do you feel like that your service helped you? Because I, mean, I think obviously during COVID, it's been tough emotionally and psychologically for a lot of people. Do you feel like that being a veteran and being your service has helped you? Well, I, the military teaches one to focus and, and maintain persistence. And although we may not have the biggest view of a situation, we know that we play an integral part in accomplishing whatever that mission is. Uh -huh. So being well, able to be self-motivated, it was helpful. We got to take a break, Becky. Thank you. Appreciate it. We're talking with Melissa Wade, Director of External Relations with Mississippi Veterans Affairs, and Becky Jenner, retired colonel with the Mississippi Army National Guard. If you ever miss one of our locally produced shows or want to simply hear it again, you can find what you need at mpbonline.org or download our podcast app to your smartphone. MPB programming is on your schedule at mpbonline.org. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. When I was a little girl, only 12 years old, I couldn't do nothing to save my doggone soul. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey, editor-at-large with Mississippi Today. And we've been talking with Melissa Wade, External Relations Director with the Mississippi VA and retired colonel of the Mississippi Army National Guard, Becky Jenner, about the 2021 Military Women's Summit. Well, I tell you what, I tell you what, I, I, it's time to talk about the summit a little bit. Can you tell us the history of the summit and how it began? Yes, sir. So, like I said, last year we tried to do our first one. Um, as an agency, we have realized the growing number of female veterans within our state um, and know that we needed to branch out and host an event strictly for them. And so we brainstormed and came up with our Military Women's Summit. Um, it is a two-day event. 
um, this year. Last year it was only going to be one day, but we have branched out and are doing two. Um, It's going to be geared toward women veterans, um, active duty members, reserves, or the National Guard. Um, This military summit is going to provide an opportunity for these ladies to network and gain knowledge from some of the premier leaders, um, both here in our state and on a national level as well. Um, It is going to be just a full day of these women being engaged and uh, leaning into how some of our top leaders have achieved their goals. Yeah, I know, Becky, I was just thinking it would have probably been nice to have a women's summit back in 1979, 1980 for you, wouldn't it have? Oh, hallelujah. I don't know what I would have done with that kind of grouping because most of the only other women officers in Mississippi were medical. Um, so it was pretty lonely sometimes. Well, you know, you have a theme. Oh, oh, go ahead. I'm so sorry. No, no, no. You're the host. Take it away. Well, I know, but you're the colonel. I I just am not going to just shut down a colonel that easily. But, yeah, you're right. I could imagine it would have been nice to have that kind of uh, being able to just swap notes and compare. Now, y'all do have a theme each year, and this year's theme is, Women Owning Leadership. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, one thing that uh, we talked about when we were in the planning stages is that often women leaders are overshadowed by male leaders. And, Marshall, I don't know if you have observed this or or not, but in a meeting where it's co-ed, men and women, There are sometimes when a female counterpart will offer a solution or a suggestion, and that goes ignored, no response, and then the male next to her makes the same comment, and all of a sudden it's a good idea. And and I invite you to look for that. Things are so much better than they used to be, but if women aren't willing to own the leadership talents and capabilities that they have and step up and make themselves recognized, then they will continue to be overlooked. Well, how can they stand up? I mean, like I said, what what are some tips that you would give for somebody listening right now that's thinking, you know what, that happened to me just yesterday in, in this meeting and it drives me crazy. What can I do to be able to stand up for myself and make a difference? What, what advice would you give them? Well, often there are too many sidebar conversations, so a suggestion or a comment gets lost. Yeah. So just the simple, if I could have your attention, I think I have an important point. So then she knows that everybody is listening to her, hopefully. Or um, to say, well, can we make a note of that point and come back to it later if we're not ready to discuss it now? So it's more of directing the attention and not saying, excuse me, would you listen to me? I said that first. <laughs> that, yeah. that will get someone nowhere. Or that was my idea. Why didn't y'all take my idea? You know, those people usually aren't received very well. Yeah, you put everybody on the defensive. And so, I mean, it sounds like what you're saying is just be confident and step forward and, and be direct and and, and make your place a little bit. Melissa, let me ask you real quick. Tell us what will take place at this year's summit. You, like you said, last year was one day, but it got canceled. So this year it's two days. And so you got a lot of different events. What's going to happen on day one? 
So we have partnered with Keesler Air Force Base. Um, Colonel Blackwell is an amazing partner. She is actually the first female commander for Keesler Air Force Base in its history. So when we nice. came to her with this idea, she was all in. Um, so this year we're branching out and Keesler is kind of heading up the first day. Um, it is going to be catered more to the active duty members, uh, a lot being primarily on their base. They have five um, keynote speakers that will cover topics like the importance of leaning in and authenticity. Um, they'll have panel discussions on their day. So that day will be um, full of information. On day two, which is, is more our event uh, with Mississippi Veteran Affairs, um, Colonel Blackwell will again speak, uh, this time talking about maintaining a proper work and life balance because for women, we have to think about that. You know, how do we juggle our professional lives along with, you know, caring for our household? And um, so she's going to speak on that. Um, and like I said, we'll have uh, Senator Cindy Hyde-Smith, um, who will be speaking, also Attorney General Lynn Fitch, um, who will be coming to speak both First ladies in their fields, um, Senator Cindy Hunt-Smith being our first female senator and Attorney General Limpich being our first um, attorney general. So we are we are blessed to have them. Um, we will have panel discussions. Uh, we'll have a representative from the Veteran Affairs Benefits Office come in to speak with our ladies on the different type of benefits that are geared towards them as women. Um, so it's going to be a day full, again, of information, learning, um, just a day of growth and how these women can get back out and excel in, in their profession. You didn't mention uh, probably the most famous speaker of all going to be speaking that that day, and that's Colonel Becky Jenner, who's on, on with us right now. Uh, Colonel, tell us a little bit about some of the key points that you'll be talking about. Well, thank you for that. But uh, Well, you're on the air. I figured it's the least I could do. <laughs> Oh, you are so <laughs> Thank you. Um, you know, often military folks have a difficult time transi transitioning back to the civilian world. And, and things just as basic as in the military, when one walks into a room, you automatically know who is in charge, if nothing else, by the rank on their shoulders. Right. Well, when one walks into a room for a meeting in the civilian world, there may be someone who's casually dressed who may be the chairman of that committee, but one would think that the person in the three-piece suit would be. So when you look at uniform, when you look at communication style, the jargon, uh, in the military we talk about we and teamwork and we work together to complete a mission generally in the corporate world. There are individual contributors. Um, a lot of folks are, are seeking to set themselves apart from the rest of the group. So it's just a matter of deciding what kind of job one wants. One may want to go into business for herself. Um, one may want to go to seek further education. So it's trying to narrow down those choices. There are too many choices when you're getting off active duty. The world is your oyster. What do I choose? So it's just a matter of trying to put that in a framework and guide them through some of those pitfalls. 
Yeah, that's that's brilliant, actually. Helping. I mean, like you said, sometimes you get overwhelmed and just being able to to create that framework. And that's a really good point about you know when people walk into the room to decide who's in charge. It just makes you think about everything you do in your life, with how you stand, how you speak, how you dress, etc. is really really important for that as well. Um, Melissa, you you mentioned obviously some of the other speakers you're gonna. Uh, how did y'all decide who to choose? And I mean, like I said. Uh, Cindy Hyde-Smith and Attorney General Lynn Fitch both have been trailblazers, and I know they that pro- they probably came to mind right away, didn't they? Uh, absolutely. When we started thinking about the women that we wanted to speak to this group, we definitely thought of the senator and our attorney general. Um, you know, we think about Senator Hyde-Smith. She served as a state legislature. Um, she then went on to run our state agricultural department, um, and then she was appointed and then even elected. Um, as our first woman senator. Um, So, you know, she definitely had to be at this event. Um, The same with the attorney general. You know, she served in the state legislature. She went on to head the Department of Economic Security. She ran our state treasury, and now she is our first uh, female attorney general. So, you know, these women have definitely, in a political sense, have risen to the top of their fields. We definitely wanted them to be there. And then even to say the same with the women, our our military partners, Um, like I said, uh, Colonel Heather Blackwell being the first female um, commander of Keesler Air Force Base. We even have um, Chief Master Sergeant Lynn Cole, who is the top enlisted officer for the Air National Guard here in Mississippi. Um, We have the second Air Force commander, Major General uh, Andrea Tullis, that will be on our panel. Uh, Keesler's uh, command, uh, excuse me, Chief Master Sergeant um, Sarah Esparza will be speaking on our panel. Um, And then, obviously, Colonel Becky Jenner, you know, being the state's first company commander um, in that role. I mean, you know, we have found trailblazers to be a part of this event and help inspire the women um, that have chosen to attend. And I know, you know, growing up and wanting to be a cartoonist, for me, uh, there were like 20, 30, 40, 50 cartoonists in, in the country. And so it was for me to get a mentor and to find somebody that did what I wanted to do and to have that. That's just totally invaluable. And I could see you know, a young, you know, young officer coming up or a young enlisted person coming up and seeing, you know, just thinking, okay, what's ahead of me? What can I do? How can I end up being in the shoes of the people that are there to be able to go and be able to sit that day and have that kind of mentorship is just invaluable. Absolutely. Um, what a better setting to put yourself in uh, than with these women that have broken glass ceilings. So we, we are honored that each of them will be a part of this special day. Hi, I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, Professor of Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center and host of Southern Remedies Relatively Speaking. Join us as we explore issues that relate to you and your family, from mental health obstacles and family interactions to handling life disruptions. Whatever the issue, let's try to figure it out together. You can listen live Tuesdays at 11 on MPB Think Radio, or you can subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on your preferred podcasting app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Wearing on my shoulders. 
This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey, editor-at-large of Mississippi Today. And we got a couple super women on the show with us. We've been talking with Director of External Relations with Mississippi Veterans Affairs, Melissa Wade, and retired colonel with the Army National Army National Army Reserve, Becky Jenner. Uh, Melissa, what's a mis- what are some of the misconceptions about women veteran benefits? So, Marshall, Mississippi has around 186,000 veterans. Um, and what's interesting is that the national average shows about 10% of veterans being female, and Mississippi trends right along those numbers. And what we know is in within a decade, that number is going to double. So within 10 years, we're going to see the female population of veterans go from 10% to 20%. And as an agency, we are trying to think of ways, well, how do we reach these women and promote the issues that are important to them and get them the information they need as they transition through all phases of military service and into their civilian lives. Um, so it's become very important to us um, to get engaged with that. And that's one of the reasons that this summit became um, such a great event for us to put on. Um, you know, when you think about different services that, that may be different now than they were decades ago, um, you know, there were no OG, OBGYNs on military bases. Um, that has become prevalent because of the female population within the military. Um, those are just, you know, different things with finding even in our even in our nursing homes, we have a female population. It's very small, but we're going to see that increase. And how do we meet those needs within our state veterans' homes to accommodate uh, these veterans as they transition into, um, you know, the later part of their lives? So it's it's definitely become a population that we're going to focus on. Um, I personally have been in, placed in charge of, of kind of head-starting that, and this summit is one of the ways that, that I hope we get to and venture off into other projects to help um, this amazing uh, segment of the veteran population. At, at the summit, is there going to be a point where you just get some of the feedback from some of the, the, the attendees that are there? Uh, yes. So we'll, we'll obviously have a panel discussion where the ladies will be able to ask, um, ask our, our panelists different questions, um, and then we'll have an evaluation towards the end of the event just to, to get advice on how we can make it better next year or how we can grow other events just to kind of give us a way to brainstorm at what where the women need us, right? And so that, that right. way we can create events that can, um, that can you know, touch those areas of, of concern or question. Becky, you know, with all you've accomplished, and it has been a ton, how challenging was it for you to transition from military service to civilian workforce? Now, I do realize it was really tough for you to do it because you kept getting called back. But what, I mean, how difficult was it to go from a military mindset into a civilian mindset? It was more difficult than I thought it would have been. You know, 26 and a half years, I was weekend warrior or, or military weekends and then my regular job during the week. But after being on active duty for a year and a half, I really had to talk to myself about the changes in the culture. In the military, especially with what we were doing at Shelby with all those uh, thousands of soldiers rolling in and out, we worked to whenever 
we had to work to get the mission done, whether it was 10.30 at night or midnight. Well, in the civilian world, for the most part, that doesn't happen. 5 or 5.30, most folks are out the door, and by 6 o'clock, there's no one there. So right. I had to adjust my expectations as well as my style. In the military, one is direct. You save time. You get to the point. And if you act that way in the civilian world, it's like, what, what's wrong with her? It, you have to be more gracious, for lack of a better word. <laughs> um, kinder and gentler because folks don't, what, what's she barking at me for? You know, that kind of thing. So it, it took a while, but I adjusted quickly because of being able to sleep on the weekends and not having to wear a uniform at boots. I'm about to say, that probably that first weekend that you knew you didn't have to go had to be quite a shock. It, it was wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As in shock, like, I can't believe I slept till 11, you know, that, that kind of shock, I could imagine. Talk about, um, do you feel that there's, like, many leadership positions available currently for women in, in, the, in the military? Oh, it it has opened up. When when I was first in, uh, we were talking. Melissa was talking about OBGYNs. When I was going through my basic training at at Fort McClellan, Alabama, there was a woman in our company who got pregnant. Well, she she was sent home. Oh goodness! So pregnancy was not an option then, and yeah. women were were not allowed in combat roles. Right. And now combat roles are open to women. So when a young soldier says, I want to drive a tank, that's a possibility. I couldn't have driven a tank because they didn't open the combat up until 2016. So um, because you open up that field, then you open up those job sectors, which opens up the rank. For the most part, the war fighters are the ones who rise to the top when it comes to rank. Yeah. So if you're not allowed to be in that position, then then you don't have opportunity to that rank. So now the world is ahead of them, and they can do what whatever they can within their capabilities. They shouldn't be limited. Definitely on that. You know, I mean – when I remember when I was in college, a lot of my friends obviously uh, joined the military, not just for the, the, the chance to gain discipline or to, to be able to get opportunity, but they also did it for education. Are there many opportunities available for women to further their education today? Oh, by far more because of so much online. You know, military was one of the first ones to take advantage of online classes and online learning. And then um, the GI Bill. And now, if I already have my degree, my undergrad, and my master's, given the, some restrictions of, about when you serve, you can transfer that GI Bill to your dependent. And that oh, wow. wasn't available then. So I tell everybody if you're going in the military, first of all, I tell them to go Air Force because they treat you nicer. <laughs> and then um, then get your education and retirement. You know, I have free medical care. I mean, you can't pay enough for that in this day and time. 
Right now, if there was uh, a young, if say uh, somebody who'd been in the military a long time, female came up to you and said, you know, I, I'm thinking about getting out and, and going into the, the the civilian world. What what would be the best advice you could give them? The first question I would ask them is, have you made that 20 year threshold? Because once one gets to 20 years, that's when a plethora of, of benefits kick in. You know, up until 20, there are some short gaps. So once they said, yes, I've done my 20, then just imagine what you could do. What's your passion? What is the job that you've always wanted to do? What's keeping you from doing that? Where do you want to live? You know, you look at all of the options that they have open to them that they didn't have before. Yeah, they may have had choices, one, two, three, this is where I want to go. Well, you're going to number 10 instead. So now they have all of these choices. The hardest thing is narrowing down the choices based on what they really want to do. Becky, you, you made the joke about go join the Air Force because they treat you better. But seriously, if you had everything to do all over again, like, you know, in your life, would you choose the same exact path? You know, um, a friend that I went through my training with was from the Arkansas National Guard, and she decided to go on active duty. Well, I didn't want some second lieutenant up in Washington, D.C., who decided on assignments, who was having a bad day, to send me to, you know, Fargo, North Dakota. So I often wonder if I had gone on active duty like she did, what my world would have been like. But then I look at where I am now here in Pastor Christian, you know, living the dream. Could it really have been that much better? I may have right. met more people in more places, but could it have been any better than it is now? And I think probably not. I'm satisfied. Yeah, I think you. I think you've had an amazing career. And of course, they're going to be uh, doing that coming up at the Women's Summit. Melissa, quickly, let's just go ahead and go over the, the, the details of it in the last minute that we have. Right. So the event will be this Thursday and Friday, uh, March 25th and 26th. It will be located at Keesler Air Force Base in Biloxi. Um, you can register for the event. I think there may be a few slots left um, through Eventbrite. You can search the Military Women's Summit, and it should pull it up and, and get you registered there. Um, it is going to be from 8, 8, 8.30 till 4 in the afternoon on both days. So it is full of information, full of great speakers. Um, it, is, it is truly going to be a day for the attendees to see successful women and to see that if those are their goals, that they can achieve them. And we cannot wait to be a part of it. Oh, and I thank you for being part of today's show. Melissa, thank you for all you do for, for the veterans. And, and, Colonel, thank you so much for your service. Uh, you know, I couldn't do what I do if you didn't do what you did do. So thank you so much. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks.